Let's read Matthew chapter 5. Let's read verses 1 through the end of the Beatitudes together before we pray and get ready for the sermon. That's verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <coughs> Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us your holy, supernaturally inspired word. We remember that you said that you gave us this word that is profitable for everything we need to be secure and grow as Christians. You've promised that it never goes out without accomplishing your purposes and that it cuts down to the core of the issue, down to the heart, that it reveals us for who we are, that it transforms us into who you have us to be. And So help us now to submit ourselves to you as we study your word together. Give us soft, receptive hearts. Strengthen us. Give us the energy to listen well and the zeal and energy and eagerness to respond well and apply it to our lives and live in light of what we hear from your scripture. We trust you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate you praying with me at the outset of every sermon. I was talking with the guys I meet with once a week. I meet with, uh, we call it the pastoral support team. It's uh, Jeff Walsh, Ron Thomas, Tom Brock, and Mark Jameson. And basically, they try to hold me together and keep me on the right path, and we pray together over things. And Tom mentioned, you know, it might be good, again, to mention what Beatitudes are. Uh, that's a Bible word that's really only mentioned just once in defining the, those blessed are the fill-in-the-blank because they will receive fill-in-the-blank. So I was trying to think of a way to make that plain and understandable and um I think this might help. It helps me. So have you ever noticed that people who come from different places are different from one another? And the further those places are apart from one another, the more dramatic those differences become. So I think we notice it locally. Like I think, and you might agree with me, that Charlotte people are a little bit different from Midland people. And I, I think that Midland people are even a little bit different from Locust people like people who were born and raised in Locust. And I think Locust people are even a little bit different from Stanfield people. Have y'all noticed just slight, not, not major or dramatic, but there's slight difference from folks from these different areas. Uh, you call those cultures. There's a slightly different culture. 
in different areas. And then the further away these places get, the more dramatic the differences are. So you might have noticed that people from the south are a little bit different from people who are from the north. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> have you noticed that people from the south tend to be real gentle toward other people's feelings in conversation and tend to beat around the bush before they'll say a hard thing to someone, whereas people from the north tend to just come straight at you with it and be very blunt. Now, which one's better? I don't think it matters, but it's different because they grew up in different cultures. And it gets even more dramatic when you're talking about different nations. I remember a roommate I had in college named Corrine who was from Romania. I told you about Corrine before, but he was different from us who are from America. Corrine uh, was uh, always perfectly clean, even right after an intense workout. Corrine always looked put together and fashionable even though he didn't work and I have no idea where his funds came from. Corrine's car was always spotless inside and out, but I never saw him wash it or clean it. Corrine was different from us sloppy Americans because he was from Romania, we were from America, and then he worked with a guy on their PhD work from Africa. So Corrine and this guy from Africa were much different. Corrine was rigidly punctual and visibly frustrated when others were not punctual. The gentleman from Africa had no concept of time whatsoever and would literally show up like five hours late to a study session. So we understand people from different places are different from one another because they have different cultures. Now that is especially true of people who are from the kingdom of heaven. We as citizens of the kingdom of heaven have our own distinct culture and we're going to be different from people who are not citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And the Beatitudes are one way of Jesus laying out these distinct cultural values that we share as citizens of the kingdom of heaven that others don't necessarily share with us. Now, I think that these distinctions have been pretty subtle for us as American Christians because the kingdom of heaven has influenced America pretty significantly. And historically, I know many of you, especially of older generations, are used to an America that has somewhat aligned with the morality that we see in the Bible. But we're seeing that diverge now. It's also kind of subtle and hard to see those differences because America has also influenced our experience of the kingdom of heaven. A lot of the American individualism and consumerism has kind of tainted the way we approach being citizens of the kingdom. But that's, I think we can all see diverging a little bit now. The differences are becoming a little more stark and it's becoming more important than ever for us to remember who we are as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And these Beatitudes help us in that. So what's different about us because we're not really from here anymore. We're from this future kingdom under King Jesus. Like actually think about it for a minute. What's different, what's distinct about us from non-Christians here in America? And I don't just mean like the big obvious things, the things I always heard about growing up in Southern Baptist youth group culture. I don't just mean that we don't cuss as much and we don't, deal drugs and we don't punch kittens and you know obvious moral stuff because you know non-christians 
believe those morals are pretty good as well. When we look at the Beatitudes, we see sort of surprising values that are ours to embrace as citizens of the kingdom. Instead of the self-affirmation and celebration that the world values, we value poverty of spirit. We value honestly recognizing our spiritual need and receiving rescue from Jesus Christ. Instead of constant distraction, entertainment, and comfort in this world, we value looking our sin head on and mourning over it and taking sin seriously and mourning over the brokenness that we see around us. And today we'll add one additional value to this portrait of being a kingdom citizen. This value of meekness. Let's read again verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So, do you guys know what it means to be meek? That's a word we've all heard, but do we really understand what it is? We're going to have to understand it in order to live in light of this as citizens of the kingdom. The best way to understand I'll give you a definition, but I think there's a better way to understand it. A definition of the biblical idea of meekness as Jesus means it here would be humility in relationship to God and others. So it's a little different than humility. It's humility as expressed in real relationship toward God and other people. So it has to do with how you actually relate and interact with God and other people. Now, I think the best way to make sense of it is to get a running start from the beginning of the Beatitudes into it because there is a flow of thought. Okay, so the first Beatitude, y'all remember what it was? I see sleepy people in the church this morning. Late night, last night, perhaps? Anyone? This is exciting. It's God's Word. Thank you. So, the first beatitude, do you remember what it was? We'll have some back and forth to help us stay awake here. Poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, if you're poor in spirit, you recognize your spiritual neediness, that you don't just need to do a little better, you're already pretty awesome, you just need to be a little awesomer. You realize you need rescue. Okay, what was the second beatitude? Those who mourn. And what we saw as we were studying it, that that's connected with the first one. It's those who, because of the brokenness in them and their need for spiritual rescue, mourn over their sin and the brokenness they see around them. Now, if you are poor in spirit and you are mourning over your own brokenness and the brokenness around you, you will be meek. You're not going to walk around all arrogant, thinking you're awesome, if you're poor in spirit and mourning over your sin. You're going to be humble in relationship with God, and you're going to be humble in the way you relate to other people. So imagine it this way. Are you guys up for imagining this morning? <laughs> you guys look like I felt last Sunday. <laughs> last Sunday was so hard for me for some reason. I was so exhausted and felt so heavy-hearted, and for no particular reason why. Uh, it was probably the most depressing Mother's Day that we've ever had as a church in terms of the service. And maybe I transferred that to you guys this week. So try to imagine meekness this way. Imagine that 
all of your sins, big and small, subtle, secret, public, all your sins were exposed to everyone. That God the Father somehow just projected like a holograph, hologram image and a list of all of your particular sins. Because we all have sin. So imagine that now everybody knows that all of it, the whole ugly picture of it, just the deep, dark blackness of it, the stuff that you don't even really dare look at that closely because it's painful to just even acknowledge the selfishness, the pride, the, the uh, little secret sins, the lust, the greed, all those things, nakedly exposed to everybody. And then God publicly, God the Father, just imagine He's actually physically with you. After it's all been exposed, everybody knows the deep down, full, complete truth. God says, but I completely forgive this man. I completely forgive this woman. And he, he washes it all away, just publicly in front of everyone. And then from there, he walks through life with you. Would you walk through life with God by your side, having publicly acknowledged all of your sin, and been publicly, mercifully forgiven, which you did not deserve, would you walk around with a chip on your shoulder? Would you walk around thinking, I really deserve more than I'm getting here? No, you would be so humble. You would be so free from trying to look awesome. Everybody knows I'm not awesome now. I've been trying to keep up an appearance of, of being awesome, but now it's just the cat's out of the bag. I am riddled with weakness and sin. And the only thing good I have going for me is that God the Father has loved me and forgiven me of everything. And so instead of trying to be awesome, to trying to look awesome, you're just relieved. And you're just comforted. And so you humbly walk with your Father. You're dependent upon Him and receptive toward Him. And when you see sinners around, you don't look down on them. How could you? Everybody knows you. So you look at them with sympathy and compassion and kindness and warmth and think, man, I hope that you are able to receive what I've received. Because you're just like me and I'm just like you. That's the kind of meekness that we value as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That's our culture. That's what makes us different from other people. We're not awesome. We're just relieved and comforted and humble because of what God has done for us. We're humbly dependent on God and we're gentle toward other people. Now this is really central to who Jesus is and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So if you think about Jesus, I had tons of scripture lined up, but uh, maybe I kind of knew that there'd be sleepiness in the church. I'm not going to re-read tons and tons of scripture, but you can go and look for yourself. These, this is all true. Jesus Christ is an incredibly meek Messiah. Jesus is a meek Messiah and he is creating a kingdom of meek people. In the book of Isaiah, when it prophesied the Messiah to come, it described him as being incredibly meek. He wouldn't harm a bruised reed. Like he would, he would very gently move through life. And when he was arrested and tried and everything, he wasn't going to put up a big fight. He was meek like a, a little lamb being led to slaughter. And it said that this Messiah would judge on behalf of meek people and that he would bring fresh joy to meek people and that he would proclaim good news to meek people. 
And then during his ministry, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. He said, Because I am gentle and lowly. And that word gentle can be translated as meek. So come, come over here, you broken, bruised, battered, tired, sinful, messed up people, because I'm gentle and I'm meek. And I have good news for you. And then when he rode into Jerusalem, when he was going to the, the climax of his earthly ministry, when he was going to die for our sins, did he gallop in on a white steed? No, he, he came in humble and mounted on a donkey. And again, that I, that's a quote from the Old Testament. And it's the same idea of meekness. He came meek on a donkey to die for our sins meekly on the cross. That's who our Savior is. And that's what our culture is as the kingdom of heaven. This is what we are to be like. And just like you notice a difference between people who are born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina, and people from Maine, people should notice a difference between those who are not citizens of the kingdom of heaven and those who are. And this is one of the distinctives. We're meek and we value meekness. The world doesn't value meekness. When have you seen the world celebrate meekness? The kingdom of heaven is not made up of self-righteous people. It's not made up of self-affirming people. It's not made up of callous people who are numb to the horrors of sin and sin's consequences. And it's not made up of arrogant people. It's made up of people who are poor in spirit, who mourn over the brokenness of sin. And it's made up of meek people. So I have a biblical portrait of a meek person to share with you. I want you to look at this the same way you might, I don't know, you might look at people who are really fit. You know, we have this idea that we should be like really fit. I mean, it's good to be healthy. But you know when you see someone who's really fit out and you look at them, you're like, man, what, what's wrong with them? Why am I not like that guy or like that girl? The way people in our world would look at someone who, who has spent a great deal of time in the gym, that's the way we should look at this portrait here. This is our model that I'm about to read to you. Some of you saw how much is written here, and you're like, oh my goodness, what are we in for? It's not going to be bad. We don't look at super fit supermodels and think, I need to be that. We look at this biblical portrait of meekness and think, I need to be that. Okay. So just... Compare yourself to these statements. These all come from specific scriptures. Again, I'm not going to read all the scriptures because I, I don't want to uh, test your patience. So this is a portrait of meek people or a meek person. When people speak against them or say bad things about them, they don't defend themselves or fuss about it. They trust God to set the record straight in his time. When meek people feel threatened, they turn to God for help rather than feeling like it's all up to them. When meek people see evil winning all around them, they pray and wait patiently for God to make things right instead of freaking out. When meek people deal 
with people who think they're awesome. When meek people deal with arrogant people who are all puffed up, they think they're really cool and really awesome. They're gentle and patient instead of feeling like they need to put that person in their place. When someone says that a meek person did something wrong that that meek person didn't actually do wrong, they just gently tell the truth instead of violently yelling and screaming and pointing fingers. When meek people see fellow Christians sinning, they try to restore them discreetly and gently and privately instead of gossiping about them or publicly accusing them, or even silently judging them. When someone annoys a meek person, that meek person bears with them patiently instead of rolling their eyes behind their back, talking to their friends about how annoying it was, or losing their patience and lashing out at them. When a meek person hears someone say something that's incorrect, they correct them gently instead of saying, you idiot, either with their words or with the tone of voice. When a meek person hears the word of God, they receive it and listen to it and respond to it instead of resisting it or ignoring it. When a meek person is in a conflict with another person or group of people, they are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger instead of the opposite. Slow to hear, quick to speak, quick to anger. When a meek person sees other people have success or get good things, they celebrate with them rather than being bitter or jealous or covetous, mad that they don't have it. When a meek person has success and gets good things in life, they're grateful and generous with it. They're not all puffed up and proud and look at me about it. When a meek person disagrees with someone else, they're open to reason instead of closed and refusing to listen. When dealing with people who are less mature, meek people are full of mercy and patience instead of harsh, judgmental, and impatient. Meek people are known for forgiving, not for fighting. When meek people are persecuted, they respond with courtesy, gentleness, and respect instead of slander and hatred. When authority figures tell meek people what they need to do, they are submissive and obedient rather than rebellious and resistant. Obviously, unless it contradicts God's word because he's the ultimate authority. When meek people are criticized, they try to learn from it and assume there's probably some truth in it rather than getting upset and defensive. When meek people are praised, they transfer that praise right along to God and are encouraged by it rather than being puffed up and proud. And finally, in general, meek people walk around amazed that they have it as good as they do in light of who they truly are 
instead of walking around frustrated that they don't have it better because they think they deserve better. Now that is a biblical portrait of a meek person. So think back over the last week. Think about your life over the last week, Monday to now, were you meek? Were you distinctly meek as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Think about the week to come. What would it look like for you to fully embrace this part of your identity as one of Jesus' people? To live meekly this week, what would that look like? This is who we are as Christians. And it is increasingly important that we embrace our culture as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. I think it's going to become increasingly important as time moves forward based on the trajectory of things in general. And when the tides swell in our culture and begin to turn against us, we don't need to freak out. We don't need to panic. We don't need to take up arms. We don't need to feel like it's up to us to fight and fight and fight. We need to meekly look to our Lord and listen to what He teaches us to do. We need to respond to people gently and patiently and lovingly because we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And we know that we will be vindicated in the end. We know that God vindicates and rescues and protects His meek people. So let's be poor in spirit and receive the kingdom of heaven. And let's mourn over our brokenness and the brokenness we see around us and be comforted by God through Jesus Christ. And let's be meek and trust that we will inherit the earth when Jesus returns and fully establishes his kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We recognize the truth of it and we see in ourselves some growth in meekness, but also room to grow from here. And Lord, I pray that you would be at work in us through your word, even right now and today and into this week, that we would be growing more Christ-like. That you would help us be more aware of our spiritual need and the goodness of your spiritual rescue. That you would make us more sensitive to our own sin and quick to repent of it and confess it. That you would give us a deeper capacity to mourn over the brokenness in and around us. And that you would make us meek and show us in the particulars of everyday life how to live out this kingdom culture in relationship with you and relationship with others. Help us to be humbly receptive toward you and humbly gentle toward everyone we interact with this week. In Jesus' name, amen.